We've been praying and talking about Christmas at, at our house, Elizabeth and I anyway, about this season and about some things. That the, the word that, that she had in, in her heart that really rang true for me was uh, for our series here, Come Home for Christmas. That there's, there's something about uh, coming home. And, and, and you may not be a person that's ever come home. You've not, like, not been away and had to come home for Christmas or you know, maybe you just go across the street to your sister's house or whatever that might be. Or maybe everybody comes to your house. But when I was... Um, when I was younger, we lived in Oklahoma, and, and, and our whole family was, was here. You know, we, my mom and Pastor Pam and Pastor Bill and my brother and sister and I, we lived in Oklahoma, and it was 750 miles away, and, you know, we didn't get to come home all the time and see everybody. So at Christmas time, we, we had an opportunity, and, and all but one Christmas that, that we lived out there, we got to come home. And uh, there was there was just uh, anticipation. There was uh, excitement about coming home. And for me, as, as I came, there was hope. Uh, and, and maybe a little misguided, and I wasn't, I wasn't who I am today faith-wise, and, and I knew the word, but you know, when you're young and you're coming home for Christmas, or your, your Christmas starts to happen, kids get excited, and uh, they start looking to you uh, for, their, for their answers, right? They get their catalogs, and they circle all the things that they want, and if you won't do it, they'll, they'll show it to Grandma and Grandpa, because in Grandma and Grandpa we trust, and they do that. But you know, there's this, and when I would come home, my, my hope was in this this family that was here. My hope was in my, my, my dad or my aunt or my grandparents or, you know, my hope was in that, that somehow when I came here, I, w- I would get what I needed or I, I would leave, you know, with, with stuff and with things. And, and that, that's great as a young person, you know, but we, we have to realize and understand that our hope isn't in people. And then if we put our hope and we put our trust and we put our faith in, in, in our job or in people and things that are around us, we're, we're going to be disappointed and we're going to be discouraged. And the story that, that God gave me was out of Luke, and it's in chapter 15, and it's the story of the, the prodigal son. And uh, not, not, it's not this, probably the story you would read at Christmas, you know, like Brad talking about Jonah uh, in Nineveh. And, uh, it, it, the prodigal son isn't maybe a, a story that you would read typically at Christmas, but as God was showing it to me and taking me through it, there's a, there's a moment there where this young man, if you don't know the story, uh, there's a there's a, a man who has two sons and and he's fairly wealthy and in those times of course much like today when when you pass on you give your estate you know to your young people and 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 the youngest of the brothers said I, I want my inheritance now and, and so the father took what he had and he gave it to his son and and his son hung around for a little bit but then he took off and he went off and he did his own thing and and he, and he it says that he wasted his money. He wasted all the things that he'd been given, and, and, and he had found himself really broken, busted, and didn't have anything. And not only was he broken, busted, when it was all said and done, he also was in a land that was full of famine, so there wasn't really anything to eat. There was, he was in a really tough, difficult place. And he found a man who would hire him, send him out, you know, to feed the pigs and do those kind of things, and, and as he was in that place feeding the pigs, he was eating what the pigs eat. I mean, he's devastated. Uh, you know, and that's, that, that's a, a disastrous and distressful place to be. And it says, if, if you look in, in verse 17, it, it, he finally, this is what I, I pray, and I hope you pray as well for those who are lost, and maybe, the, maybe you have family who, who are going to come home this Christmas, and they're ones that you've been believing would find Christ or come back to him or whatever that is. Hang on to that, because I believe come home for Christmas is, is about relationship, and not just relationship with you and those maybe who are estranged from you, but I believe it's, a, it's about relationship for those who are estranged from God that he's going to use you and he's going to use me to reach out in this season 
to bring hope, to bring light, and to bring life into people that, that have been lost and hopeless. And this young man, he said he was, you know, he was destitute. He was down to his, to his last pig pod that he was eating, you know. And it says in verse 17, But when he came to himself, or he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough, and not just enough for them, but also to spare? And I perish with hunger. All of a sudden, he has a thought that gives him hope. I can go home. Like in this place where he's sitting, as low as he can get, all of a sudden a thought comes to him that says, I can go home again. And I'll, I'll go back and I'll go as a servant, but I can go home. That there is hope for me there. And hope springs up on the inside of him. You know, when I was a young person, that's, my hope was in people. And my hope was in family and those things. I've, I've learned over a period of time that I need to put my hope in, in Jesus. That he came into this earth to bring hope, that, that this earth, you know, last week, I think my, my mom, Pastor Pam, she was sharing a little bit about that, that time and that period between Malachi and Matthew. You know, in our Bible, it's one page. <laughs> you know, you look at Malachi, and then you look at Matthew, and there's one page that says New Testament on it, you turn it, and there, there it starts all over. But, you know, there were years and years and hundreds of years there where there, there's just a silent period where God didn't talk, where God wasn't speaking to the people, and how hopeless would you become if you were in that, in that place? We don't always, probably, in the world we live in today, with churches on every corner and, you know, there's DVDs and CDs and you can get things on TV and the internet and you can listen to whatever you want. You can read books about whatever you want. There are men and women of faith who have grown up and preached the word of faith and preached the, the gospel message and it's everywhere and we're kind of surrounded by it. But, but, but these people in this particular time before Jesus came, they, they were going through all of these years of quiet and then all of a sudden one night in Bethlehem, in a stable, in a manger, with a star shining down, hope comes into the world. The one that everybody had been waiting for, the Messiah, was finally come, and now, and now we have hope. See, we're so many years past that that we just assume that, that well, there's always been hope. For those folks at that time when that happened, they, they, they were fairly hopeless. Now, you may be here today, and you may think that, that you're hopeless you don't have any hope in your life. I want to tell you today, you can have hope in Jesus. Today, the message title really is Get Your Hopes Up. Too many people today in this world walk around with their head down. There's nothing worse than a dreamless, hopeless person. Somebody who finds themselves like this prodigal son in the lowest place of the low. It's Christmas time. And many times, that's, that's a dangerous season for people. They find themselves even more lonely than they were in September. The holidays are difficult times for some people because of relationships and problems and things that have happened. People become hopeless because they've, they've tried and tried and tried and nothing's ever, nothing's ever came of, of that situation. I'm telling you today, there is hope, but the hope is only found in him. I've looked for hope in other places. You probably have as well. And I've found every time that hope lets me down. But when I grab hold of who he is, there's something about having hope in your life. It's powerful. Hope is a powerful force in your life. If you don't have a job, but you believe there's one out there, man, you will knock on the next door. You will push through that next thing. You'll keep pounding on that door. Don't lose hope, man. There is something there. God's going to meet you on the other side of that next door, and he's going to put you in the right place. Don't lose hope. 
Hope keeps you pushing through. If you're sick and you need healing in your life, I'm telling you, if you believe that, that God is a healer, you have hope in your heart that says, man, I just know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm going to, man, you'll do whatever you have to do. I think of the lady with the issue of blood who said she spent all of her money on all these doctors. She knew there was a healing somewhere. She, was, she just hadn't found it yet. That's hope. We have a lady in this church who comes many times first service, Pam Thalls, and you know, she was, she was not given hope in her life medically uh, be, because of cancer you know in her life and and they they had said there's no hope for you she said there is hope for me and i'm telling you jesus is my hope and he's going to heal me and i don't know how he's going to do it i don't know when he's going to do it but i'm going to keep going and i'm going to keep pushing and i'm going to keep fighting and i'm not going to give up hope you know she's healed today and she's years down the road from that praise god I'm telling you, hope is a powerful force. It keeps you pushing. You have to have hope to have faith. We're we're told in the word of God that we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. But it also says in Hebrews 11.1 that faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for. You have to have hope. There has to be light. Hope is the thing that keeps you going the next day. When everything begins to crumble around you, you say, no, I know that there is. I'm going to see God move. He's going to open a door for me. Maybe in another example, I, I was, uh, when I was younger, my grandmother, she, she's not with us anymore. She's, she's gone to be with the Lord, but she lived in Logansport. She played bingo every Thursday. And big, there's something about bingo, man. It brings out like the, the animal in you. I mean, it, it's, you know, you know with your little thing, that guy's going to call B12. When grandma calls and she says, you want to come play bingo? Yes, ma'am. I know I'm going to win today. Today is going to be my day. I have hope. I have great hope, and when's the early birds start? Because I don't want the normal stuff. I want the whole deal. Early birds, five, I'll be there at 5 o'clock, Grandma, with my dauber. We even bought our own daubers at one point. We know we had our own, that's what they call the little ink things. And then they say have a late game too, man. I stayed all the way to the late game, and I knew every time that Bob was going to call, he was going to call B12 because that's the one I needed, and I knew Bob was going to do it, and I had hope. And it made me stay there the whole time in all the smoke and the coughing and the wheezing and the stuff that's going on. They, this place was so stayed smoke eaters. I don't know if you've ever seen those, but they're, they're these big machines that sit in the sky that smoke goes up in them and it like electrocutes the smoke or something. I don't know what it does, but they pop all the time. There's, there's little ladies over there with their oxygen on, you know, and they take their oxygen off and they take a couple of drags and they put their oxygen back on. It is, bingo's a dangerous place. It just makes me nervous, like, my brother-in-law Joe's like, you got to move, man. That guy's smoking with oxygen. <laughs> but he's going to call B12, Joe. I'm not going anywhere. I, I have hope this is going to work. You know, it's that thing that makes you, it makes you keep casting out there when you're fishing. That thing that says, man, the next cast is going to, I don't want to, I don't fish so much because I won't stop fishing. Because I think that every time, like that, that neck, the big one's the next one. You get hope. And it causes you to keep throwing it out there. It causes you to keep trying. It causes you to say, you know what, one more, one more time. And then, you know, you pack it all up and you start to walk away and you see something. Oh, no, no, one more. I got one other one. See, there's, some, there's a powerful force in hope. And it makes, you, it makes you keep going. It makes you push. It changes your thoughts. It actually gives you a physical lift. Have you been down in the dumps and hopeless and somebody came by and they shared a word with you and said, it's going to be all right. I am telling you right now, there is hope and something on the inside of you springs up and you get up and you go again. There's something about having hope. And I'm telling you, it's not people, it's not jobs, it's not the government, it's not things. It's Jesus. 
That's where your hope is. He came into this world to bring that hope. Hope has the power to bring joy in your life. Psalms 146.5 says, Happy is the man whose hope is in the Lord. So we ask today this same question that we've asked all day, and, I, you know, where's your hope? Is your hope in the person next to you? Because if it is, you're going to be disappointed. Is, is your hope in the lottery? <laughs> Man, just one more ticket. I know it's going to be the one. That's when we start making deals with God, right? God, I'll give you like 80%. Just give me 20 of this. I mean, it's $400 million. God, we'll, we'll build a big church. You know, I'll give it all to the poor, but I'll just keep a little bit for me so we can go to Barbados. You know I mean? Like, we start making all these deals, don't we? We know that that next thing, that next ticket, that next scratch, and, and people get more and more and more discouraged and more and more and more disappointed, and the enemy begins to cave in on them, and they become hopeless. Devastated, distressed. But it says, happy is the man whose hope is in the Lord. I'm telling you, I can get up and go tomorrow. Like Pastor Pam shared last week, though I fall, I shall what? Arise. Why? Because there's hope if I get up. There ain't no hope laying there on the ground. You got to get up. You know, if you go and look at Jesus as he came into the world, he, he came into a world that didn't quite understand him. And he, and he shared about the, the kingdom of God and how it is on earth and how it needs to be. And he shared about God's love. And he, he shared about all these things. But he brought hope to hopeless people. I mean, they would, they would literally drag sick people out to where he was. I mean, they would bring them out and say, look, we don't have any hope. And it says that he would stick around, you know, after service, and he got done preaching, and he would sing amen, and he'd send everybody home, he'd stick around, and he'd pray for them, and he'd heal the sick. The demon-possessed, the ones who didn't have men, they were crazy, and they were out there and possessed by the devil. It says he would go and he would cast the devil out of them. Completely hopeless people, manipulated by the enemy, yet they'd be free and have hope because Jesus came on the scene. There's something about having hope and having hope in the right thing, Jesus. It says in Jeremiah 17, 7, not only does hope help bring happiness in your life, like it said in Psalms, but in, in, in Jeremiah 17, 7, it says, blessed is the man who's, who trusts in God and whose hope is in the Lord. Blessed. Who's your hope in today? I mean, I, I, can't, I can't answer that for you. Do you have any hope? Many of you have come here, maybe you don't, even, you don't even have hope. You don't even know what to tack your hope on. You've been hopeless for so long that, that you don't even know where to, where to start having hope. Had somebody in one of the earlier services raise their hand to receive Jesus, and it was, just, it was a, a, a chance to hope again. You know, the world has beat the, the hope out of you. Somebody says, get your hopes up, and you say, why? Because, let me tell you about Jesus. There's hope in him. None of us would have any hope without Jesus. We've, we'd let ourselves down if it wasn't for him. And how many people in this world today live hopelessly? They just go from day to day, from situation to situation. Things never get better. They seem to just get worse. They have a moment of happiness, but it's stolen away by something and immediately their hope falls. They tried it three times, and it didn't work, and so they quit having hope. You know, there's nothing worse than a dreamless, hopeless person. It just steals the life from you. That Jesus came into this world to be the hope, to be the Savior of the world, 
Why? Because we needed saving. And not one of us could do that on our own. But because of him, we can come to him with hope. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred or hope lost makes the heart sick. That maybe you did one day, like this prodigal son, you know, in Luke 15. He had everything in his father's house. Yet he went away and he lost it all, like all of his hope disappeared. But one day, he got hope again. And man, it says he came running back to his house. And as he was coming back, he was coming back to be a servant. When that epiphany, when that, when that, when that thought hit him that said, it's good in my dad's house, even for the servants. I'll go home and just be a servant. Hope rose up on the inside of him. He came home to be a servant. It says that the dad was looking and saw him coming from afar off. And when the boy came to say, Dad, I am sorry, I have messed up, and I want, I'll be a servant in your house, he didn't even hear all that. It says that the father said, the boy was telling him, but the dad was already saying to the servants, kill the fatted calf, bring the ring, bring the robe. My son is home. And we're going to have a party. And if you're here today and you, and you don't know Jesus, or maybe you walked away like this prodigal son, I am telling you there is hope for you. There's hope. But the only hope you have is in him. And you say, well, I've tried that before and it hasn't worked. I try it again. Well, everybody's let me down, yet people will let you down. But God won't. If you get your eyes on things and not on God, but you blame God, that's a problem. God is a good God. He does good things. He doesn't make us sick. He doesn't steal from us. That's the devil who does that. It says that the enemy came to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus spoke and said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Hope. See, he laid it right out there for him. Listen, the devil wants to kill you, steal from you, and destroy. But I want to give you life. Here's hope. Here it is. Take it. But you have to grab hold of it. You have to rise up. You have to have that hope, not somebody else. See, that, that, that destitute place that this young man found himself in, he didn't have anything. I mean, he was eating the food that the pigs were eating. Listen, being destitute and being distressed and being hopeless doesn't have anything to do with means or money or being poor or whatever. It's about being broken. That boy wasn't distressed and that boy wasn't hopeless because he didn't have anything, it's because he was broken. And he needed healing. And he needed hope. I've seen a lot of people who have a lot of stuff be really hopeless and be really lonely. I've seen people that seem to be successful and you would think, man, they got it all together. But when you talk to them, they're hopeless. Got no, got, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. That's, that's a terrible place to be. And if you're here and that's you, I just want to encourage you, listen, there is hope. The world was without hope. God sent Jesus who became our hope. And I'm telling you, it's turned things around. Grab hold of it. See, there came that night, man, and hope came down, just like that song that we sang. All of heaven rejoices and the angels sing hallelujahs and hope comes down into the earth. And now the people say, is this the guy? Is this the one? And then what begins to grow? Their, their trust and their hope in who this guy is. Man, I hope he's the one. People would ask him, hey, hey, hey are, are, are you the guy? Are you the guy? Because we, we really want you to be the guy. Because if you're the guy, it's going to be okay. But tell us, are, are you the guy? 
See, people kept coming to him with these, with these questions and these thoughts. Why? Because they, wanted, they, they needed hope. They needed, they needed a chance. They were hoping that he was the Messiah, that he was the one that was promised. And Jesus came into the world. It says in Matthew chapter 12, there's a, there's a little passage there in verses 15 through 21 where Matthew is kind of, He's kind of taking some of what Isaiah prophesied about, about Jesus, and he, he begins to talk about, about who Jesus is and what he'll do. And, you know, he came into this world to bring life and love and joy and peace and all of these things. He came in to, to, to be the Messiah, to be the Savior of the world. And it says there in the Message Bible in Matthew 12 and verse 15, it says, Look, look at my hand-picked servant. And it, it, this is out of Isaiah. It says, I love him so much. Take such delight in him. I've placed my spirit on him. He'll decree justice to the nations, but he won't yell. He won't raise his voice. There'll be no commotion in the streets. He won't walk over anyone's feelings, won't push you into a corner. Before you know it, his justice will triumph. And the last part of this says, and the mere sound of his name will signal hope. So I think many times we try to talk people into hope. We try to talk them into to hoping. But listen, Jesus is their hope. He's my hope. He's your hope. He's all the hope we got. And it says here that at the mere mention or sound of his name, there'll be hope. How many times do we go out and we begin to tell people, you know, trying to encourage them that, you know, there's, there's hope and, and we just pray and, you know, God loves you. And, and we don't say, listen, I'm telling you, Jesus has an answer for you. Something about that name. What is the world trying to shut out of everything? Jesus. Hey, man, pray. Just don't say Jesus. Huh? Do what you want to do. Just don't say Jesus. Why? Because there's power in the name. Yep, but hope comes with that name. It says, listen, I don't have an answer for you, but I know that Jesus does. We've been in this place for 24 years, and that's that's. I'm telling you, you, you call the answer, don't, you've called the answer machine, right? It says, hey, whatever you need, Jesus is the answer. He's your hope. We may be able to help. We may have a good word for you. We'll stand with you. We'll pray with you. We'll try to encourage you. We'll teach the word. We'll, we'll do all the things that we're supposed to do as a, as a body and as, as pastors in this church to help you become who God created you to be. But you have to know, just like I have to know and the person out there in the world has to know, Jesus is the only way. He's the only way. He's the only answer. He's your only hope. It's in him. And many of you know him and you've walked with him and you've followed him and you've realized that people have let you down and they've, they've dropped the ball and, and they've missed it and, and Jesus hasn't. But coming to that realization sometimes can be painful. In my life when I was younger, I said that I came back at times at Christmas and had my hope in all the people who were here and that somehow they would meet my needs and we didn't have a lot when we lived in Oklahoma and my dad had some, he had some money and, and you know, my grandma and grandpa had a shoe store so we always came home with, with new shoes, you know, and they didn't know all the shoes we got but we got a couple extra pair they didn't know about and uh, my brother was, he's a fancy little thief, that kid, and uh, he'd, he, he was a little guy, he was a little guy but he would walk out of the store with like nine sweaters and three pair of shoes on and somehow get in the car and off he would go, and, and that was, you know, it's not right, but uh, somehow he would get home, and I'm like, dude, where'd you get all that stuff? Dad's store, man, it was all over the place. Well, it ain't your store, but, you know, I would come back, and there'd be hope in those things, but, you know, many times I would leave disappointed, 
Or I, I would be somehow, you know, excited about what happened, but then when I left, I would realize that that, that the excitement waned. There was a, there was a, I was about 14 or 15 years old, and my dad had a, a brown Celica, little hatchback Celica thing. It was a nice little car, and, and uh, he said that, you know, he would give it to me and, or promised it to me. I don't remember quite how the conversation went, but I, I knew that he, he, that was going to be my car. That when I got to be 16, man, that would be my car. And, and, and when, that, when that, that Christmas came that we were coming home, my birthday's right around Christmas. And so we were coming home. I was 16. And I didn't have any way to get a car. And I wasn't believing God for a car. I was believing my dad for a car. Because he, he promised me. He told me. And uh, if I misunderstood, I misunderstood. But I, I knew that. My mom even tried to say, hey, Listen. That might not happen. Oh, no, it's going to happen. <laughs> said, he's got, did you see that car he got? He's got a big old red Audi, man, brand new. It's gorgeous, nice car. He doesn't need that little Celica anymore. He's going to get it to me. <laughs> I know he is. And so we get back, you know. See, my hope is in the wrong place. When you have your hope in the wrong place, I'm telling you, you will be. It may not be today. It may not be next week. But you will be disappointed. You will be distressed. And there, there will be an opportunity to be distraught like this young man in the pig pen. But you have to rise up and say, you know what? My hope was in the wrong place. My eyes were on the wrong thing. And now I want to look to Jesus, who is my hope, who's the author and the finisher of my faith. And when I got to my dad's house and it was birthday time, you don't, you don't take no dummy to realize there ain't a car sitting out there anywhere. Down the street, is he hiding it from me? Is somebody going to drive up with it? Is it in the garage with a bow on top? I don't know. Can't wait. And I went inside, and I was excited. It was my birthday, and I never even said anything. I don't even think to this day, unless my dad hears this message, he'll probably never know this story about how it affected me. And, and I'm not blaming. I mean, it's all, it was all good. It's, I had my eyes on the wrong thing. It's not, not him. It's me. And when I got down there and they gave me my presents, I thought, well, that's an awful big box to be keys, but that's all right. <laughs> you know, put it in whatever you want. I know it's kind of a surprise. I opened it up, and it was... An Othello game. Most of you are young. You don't have any idea what that game is, but it's a little game with black and white chips that you turn upside down. And I thought, wow, where's the car? <laughs> I mean, that's, and, and I, I, all of a sudden, man, I just like, I lost all my, my hope was gone. And now I go through Christmas and I get back in the car and I have to drive home and then I have to deal with this, this, this disappointment and discouragement. Man, I, my hope was in this. Di- See, you get your hope, you get your desires messed up with expectations and you put them on somebody else and you say, you know what, it's up to you to do this to make me happy and, and I'm hoping that you're going to do this because if you don't, then, I, then I'm not going to be happy and I'm going to be disappointed and I'm going to be discouraged. See, but if you trust Jesus and you put your hope in him, you won't be discouraged and you won't be disappointed because he always comes through, he's faithful. And over the period of time and over my year, I learned that. Or over my life, I've learned that. And I've, I've learned to trust, on, trust him. And I've learned to put my hope in him. And that's where my faith grows. And that's where my, my strength comes and the joy of the Lord and all of those things. But listen, there was a season there where I was, I was really, really discouraged. I was disappointed. I mean, I knew that was going to happen and that that guy was going to come through for me, man. And he didn't unbeknown he was not being mean he wasn't being rude he he probably doesn't even know probably didn't even realize it many people who have hurt you and who've disappointed you probably don't even know some might but listen 
Hope never disappoints if you have your hope in Jesus. If you have your hope in people, if you have your hope in things, if you have your hope in money, if you have your hope in government, if you have your hope in systems, I'm telling you, you'll be disappointed. But if you have your hope in Jesus, that hope never disappoints. In Romans chapter 5, it says so. Romans 5, 5. It says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God that's been poured into our life. Listen, as you come to the Lord, as you come to Jesus in relationship, and he becomes the Lord of your life, and you give yourself to him, I'm telling you, he fills you with that love. And there's something about knowing that you're loved that allows you to put trust in them that allows you to put your hope. See, I know my wife loves me, and she loves me so much I can trust her with things that I haven't told anybody, with, 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 with delicate issues and things, I can give it to her. Our children, they know that we love them, and they, they put their hope and they put their trust in us when they're little. And as they grow, you teach them and train them to put their hope and trust in the Lord, that he loves them even more than we do. But see, we've, we've, got, we've got young ones too, and, and, and they... They know we love them, and there's something about knowing that, that we love them, and we shower them with love that allows them to, to put some expectation and some trust and some hope in us. Now, they, they are 20 and 24. Their hope, ultimately, and their trust and their faith is in the Lord. They've learned that as they go. But there are certain instances and times and things where they, they reach out to us. Our daughter, Rachel, she's, she's a, a kappa down at Butler, and, and she had a a crazy fall where she was ahead of some, she was the chairwoman of some, I don't know what it was, philanthropy organization thing, and they were trying to raise money for this women's shelter down there, and she was, she was way over her head. And, and, and who did she call? She called the ones who, I mean, we got her back. We love her. And mama's making bows and, you know, gluing things and putting stuff on and, Daddy's out in the garage with his jigsaw cutting a gigantic owl out of sheets of plywood so that they could have the holes so people could stick their heads through and take pictures. And I'm, I'm getting all kinds of stakes for the ground. And we, we load the car and we drive down and we invade the Kappa house and pound stakes into the ground and tie the big gigantic owl and drop off bows. And then we do it all because we love her and she, she trusts us. Now, I mean, ultimately, hear me, her hope is in, is in the Lord. But there's something about knowing that we love her. That's why your kids come to you, like I said earlier, with those magazines. And they say, I, I need this and 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 this. And when the next magazine comes, they said, oh, and this 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 and this. And when the second one comes, that's when they give it to Grandma and Grandpa. Because they know Grandma and Grandpa love them. And so they want this and this and this and this and this and this and this. My hope is in you, Grandma. Now, they're little. That's just the, kind of the way that they go. We've, we've got one that's 20. She, Rachel, same one. She, 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 she asked her mom this, this year on the way home from Thanksgiving and said, is this going to be a regular Christmas or is this going to be another one of those not-so-regular Christmases? And we, we, last year we didn't do as much, and we, we did some other things and told them that, you know, this is, we, we're, we're just, this is all we're going to do. And Okay. And then when she asked her mom and said, you know, is this a regular? She said, no, I think this is probably more of a regular Christmas. She goes, okay, I'll send you a list. <laughs> See, her hope isn't in us. But, there, you know, there is some, 
And I'm not kidding you, man. Emails, ding, ding, text going off, phone ringing. It's like you're bombarded by this girl. She gives you a list, and the list is nice. It could be alphabetical, could be price-wise, could be whatever you want. Hey, what do you want? You want my top to bottom, A to B? What do you want, A to Z's? She she gives you the list. But see, she realizes and understands that we, that we, we absolutely love her. Now listen, God loves you. And he's poured, his, he's poured his life and his love into you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says in Romans chapter 15 that because he has done that, that there is a hope in you that springs forth. And it's not just a hope that says everything's going to be okay. It's a hope that it says overflows and overwhelms you. See, Ephesians 3.20 says that we serve a God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more over the top and above what we can hope, ask, and think. And it says here in Romans 15 that the root of Jesse, Jesus, will rise up in whom the Gentiles will have hope. And may the God of hope, it says, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may get this. And this is the part. The message is Jesus came to bring hope. You have hope because of Jesus. But you are the hope in this world. Jesus is the hope for the world. But you are the person in it with the hope on the inside of you that's overflowing. It says right here that God will fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That everywhere you go, you should be distributing hope. You should be the heck yeah guy. When somebody says, this isn't going to happen, you say, heck yeah, can. When people say, man, I'm going down. No, you're not. When people fall, you help them get up. When people are in the dumps, you bring them out. You have the word. You have the, you have the love of God on the inside of you. You know the hope is in Jesus. And so as you go out into this world, see, it's always the three-part message. It's like Jesus came to be hope. We have hope because of him. Yet we have to go out and be hope in this world and spread those seeds everywhere that we go. You are walking around, maybe living with, working with people who are hopeless, who are devastated, who are like this young man who is sitting in the pig pen and has nothing devastated and hopeless and distressed. They're all over the place. And you have the answer, Jesus. You have the ability to give them hope. That's what we do. We spread joy. We spread love. We spread hope. We spread Jesus. See, the world needs Jesus. And Christmas is a great time to talk about it. Because believe it or not, people are understanding that there is a little baby in a manger. And his name is Jesus. They may not understand the whole story and what it's all about. But they do get the connection that says, in my nativity scene, there's a baby. Let me tell you about that baby and what he means to this world. His name's Jesus, and he loves you. And he came to bring hope so that you wouldn't have to be in a hopeless, desperate situation anymore. That you could put your trust and your faith in Him. He won't let you down. So you bring that hope onto the scene. It makes a difference in people's lives. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. 
The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.